Welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Allman, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike. I'm happy to be here. And uh, we got a little more of a lighthearted episode this time. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're going to enjoy ourselves and talk a little bit about Commander that you might not... Okay, so we're going to get a little wacky with it. You're right. Um, It's Mike and Alex in the morning. Yes, exactly. Uh, I I, I don't have the soundboard set up with all of my wacky sound effects. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, So we've kind of established ourselves as... We talk a little bit about deck techs and, you know, make sure that you have a certain amount of lands and stuff like that for being able to play the game. But I think our general consensus thought on every podcast that we do and what we want this to be is how to enjoy games more. Um, sometimes that's making sure people get to, like I said, put together their decks in a way that they're able to actually function and play the game. Sometimes it's exploring other ways of playing the game that you might not have thought about, like you talking about being more upfront and forthright with your intentions so people know what's going on. Today we're going to go a little bit off the beaten path, and we're going to talk about commanders that, if you were in the wrong setting, you couldn't legally play these. Um, and there's tons of different, oh, you know, the Nephilim commander cards that aren't legendaries, but people like to play those because they're kind of a legendary in their own right. Uh, we're going to go even further, and these are legendary creatures, but we're going with the silver-bordered legendary commanders. Well, what we could make legendary commanders uh, Mm -hmm. in the silver-bordered state. And some of these are kind of spicy. Like, I don't know why you couldn't run it right now. And some of them are just weird. And some of them are kind of a perfect combination of both. So we're going to parse those and see if it gives anybody kind of an idea on, oh, maybe I could run this deck. Or going outside of the box and seeing if you can make a deck that you wouldn't normally do. And uh, Alex, this is this is one that you suggested. I was a little reluctant, I'll admit it. And then looking at these, there's like probably about five or six decks that I've got ideas for in my head now. <laughs> yeah, Mike, a lot of these cards have a very interesting design space that you really don't see in black border and uh, and that's really because r&d really sorts of takes off their own leash and and goes a little crazy when they're designing these and that really shows on uh, on most of these cards this uh episode i had the idea for this uh you may recall a couple of years ago we had something called uh, silver december which was when uh, Unstable, the Unstable set came out, the Rules Committee, which is the governing body of the Commander format, uh, had a event, I guess you would call it, where temporarily they made silver-bordered cards legal in the Commander format. It was my hope that they would take this time to sort of look over some of these cards and... Maybe, 
consider some of them for uh, for legality in the format after the end of the events. But that didn't end up happening uh, to my disappointments. And, and I think that is especially disappointing because as we'll see here, there are several of these cards that maybe with a little tweak here or there, they would be perfectly fine. And some of them that even without being tweaked, they're perfectly fine. I think a lot of these are, are quite interesting. We're going to go over every single one. There are 25 of them, and we're going to try to uh, see what they do. Yeah, and like you said, there are some that literally I could put them into a deck right now and not feel weird about it. And there are some that if I tried to put them into a deck, I, I wouldn't feel good playing it. And that's because of how bad I would make everybody else playing with me feel. <laughs> so uh, the amount of time that we'll spend on each one is going to vary a little bit. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it and start with a Cornelia, Fashionable Filcher. Man, I just realized how difficult some of these names are going to be. Uh, <laughs> three generic and a black for a legendary creature, Squirrel. When you cast a spell with a squirrel in its art, you get an acorn counter. Whenever a squirrel you control enters the battlefield or dies, you get an acorn counter. For two generic and a black, pay X, acorn. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. For a green, pay X, acorn. Target creature gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, and this is a 3-3 three, three creature. Alex, how many squirrels are there in Magic? There really aren't that many squirrels and that's something that i think is to the dismay of many a tribal deck brewer i think we uh we all remember fondly the cardboard crack comic where uh an emerical is taken down by 15 squirrels Correct. um that's that's just fantastic but this card if we're looking at the power level of this in in a in a silver border environment or even in a black border environment, I think that you would agree that as written, it's really not that strong. This uh, this commander has two activated abilities. One of them is functioning as removal, minus X, minus X removal, and one of them is functioning as, as a buffer, plus X, plus X uh, pumping effect. And that's on an individual basis. We're talking about building up resources over time you have to cast your squirrel spells and your squirrel themed spells and then once you've done that enough times then you get the payoff of being allowed to activate one of these abilities and either remove one creature or pump one creature um, so i think that you might agree this is this is definitely on the modest end when it comes to power uh, even in a squirrel tribal deck which is i think really the only way that you could run this card um this is really not off the rails it's not that unreasonable to to make this card legal in commander i think that's the acorn counters are fine um mm -hmm. the the symbol of the acorn counter it, it has a little acorn it is that cute. might be a bit of a problem it's a little bit silly um i don't think that's that big of a deal we have many different kinds of counters that can be uh, given to both permanents and players. Energy counters, experience counters, plus one counters, trample counters. Literally everything from Ikoria, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So an acorn counter is really not that far beyond the pale. Um, I think the only real problem with this commander 
is its first ability, its triggered ability. Whenever you cast a spell with a squirrel in its art, you get an acorn counter. Um, I, I think that would just unfortunately need to be dropped because that effect is is not really kosher for, for Black Border. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the weird thing about this card, and and we'll move on from it here because we've got 24 other cards. Yeah. Um, but I do like this one a lot. If you replaced Squirrel in its art with literally just about any other tribe that even sees some play, this card would be bonkers. Yep, Squirrel's not a very well-supported tribe. And, you know, it, even even if it turned into, like, instead of when you cast a spell with a squirrel in its art, if it was just whenever you play a card that has a squirrel in its art, I would be totally fine with somebody having a whole bunch of lands that just had squirrels. <laughs> I would, I, you know what, I'd co-sign on that. Go for it. Um, so, not one that'd be very viable, but it's a fun idea. It's a fun effect. Just, unfortunately, we didn't get there with squirrels, but hey, dogs and cats... We got that tribe going now. So living together, we're we're, we're going to get there slowly, bit by bit. Uh, next card here, Alexander Clamilton. This is two generic and a blue for a legendary creature, Clamfolk Advisor Rebel. Um, whenever you cast a wordy spell, scry two. A spell is wordy if it has four or more lines of rule text. For one generic and a red, tap it. Choose target creature you don't control. Reveal the top card of your library. Alexander Clamilton gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of lines of rules text of the revealed card. Alexander Clamilton fights that creature. This is an O4. So it is a it's a scry and fight kind of <laughs> commander. It's it's literally Alexander Clamilton doing doing duels. And uh, the art is fantastic, what with the, the water gun. Um, go ahead, Alex. Unpack this some for me. Yeah, I think this is definitely one of the strangest is it commanders um, that has ever been printed. This is nothing like any is it commander that exists. Um, is it commanders are usually more interested in spell slinging and storm and pinging and drawing cards, things of that nature. And this doesn't really do any of that. No. This is scry and fight. Um, I would say that, that this card, as it's written, has it would need some pretty significant changes to become sort of blackboarder legal, as, as we'll call it. Because wordy is not... That's not good. As, as right. Bell is wordy if it has four more lines of rules text. That's not going to work. Um, my recommendation, if you wanted to sort of change this to make it more, uh, more okay in blackboarder, would be... Uh, replacing the number of lines of rules text, which of course changes based on oracle text, how old or, the card yeah, is. There, there's, yeah. and and then you get into the a conversation. Card. Yeah, sure. You could change that to be how many abilities a spell has. Uh, abilities here can be on a spell or a permanent. That's based on how many different paragraphs of text it has. Mm -hmm. That's a, that has not been done before, but that's something that is consistent. And is a lot more easy to to wrap your head around, and I think is a little bit less silly. I've realized that by making them less silly, we're kind of robbing the magic out of these cards. But in my opinion, the goal here is is to see if we can make these okay for for commander. And I think that that change to to reiterate whenever you cast a spell with we might say three or four abilities, however they want to do that, scry two, and then his fight ability would be uh, this card gets plus X plus O. 
until the end of turn where X is the number of abilities that the reveal card has. Um, I think that that's that might edge it a little bit closer to okay. Okay, so Alexander Clamilton, um it's I like it as a concept. I like the idea of a, a fighting is it commander and the whole dueling aspect is really cool, um, but a little difficult to pull off. Um, so you know, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Not necessarily this time. So our next one is Baron Von Count. Alex, I'm a big fan of this one. Uh, one oh, generic. Absolutely, Mike. One generic, one black, one red. Legendary creature, human villain. Baron Von Count enters the battlefield with a doom counter on five. Whenever you cast a spell with the indicated numeral in its mana cost, text box, uh, sorry, text box, power, or toughness, move the doom counter from uh, move the doom counter one numeral to the left. When the doom counter moves from one, destroy target player and put that doom counter on five. This is cool. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Alex, take us through this. I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah, this card's fantastic. Uh, the origins of this card actually go way back. Uh, Mark Rosewater, who's the lead designer for Magic, quite a long time ago, had a bit of a survey on his blog, which has been running for many years. He was asked which color or which uh, group of colors would the effect destroy target player be in? And the answer, of course, was Rakdos, black and red. Um, I think that, that anyone can agree on that. Now, destroy target player, in this case, is just a very fun way to say uh, that player loses the game. It's the exact same effect. Um, now, I love destroy target player, but uh, it would probably need to be changed to that player loses the game, target player loses the game. And, and honestly, with very minor changes, because... When they say put a Doom Counter on five, if you look at the art of Baron Von Count, he has sort of these uh, orbs in the background of his laboratory that's, that have the numbers one through five on them. And you're meant to put a counter on those numbers in the artwork and then move it along those numbers in the artwork, which works great for Silver Border because it's a very informal thing. Mm-hmm. But if, if this were to be a, a much more official card in the style of Black Border, we'd have to work out kind of a different system. Um, it could be a six-sided die, which we don't have yet, or it could be a number of counters like Doom Counters. Countdown from five to one, remove a Doom Counter each time. However, the casting a spell with the indicated numeral and its meta cost, text box power or toughness, completely fine. This card, with barely any modifications, would be a completely viable Rakdos Commander, and quite a fun one at that. I believe... Uh, Jimmy and Josh over at the Command Zone, which is the mm-hmm. uh, most popular command podcast out there, uh, they actually made a deck tech for Baron Von Counts. Yeah. You can go ahead and check that out and see what they did for it. But, uh, of course, ideally, if you were to, to build this deck, you would want to have a nice sprawl of numbers one through five. And I think they did find a couple of cards that actually have all five numbers on the card so it could function as, as any of those numbers. Yeah. So couple quick asides first one i forgot to mention it's a three three for three mana cool uh second villain is an awesome creature type and i really (laughs) wish that we saw it more often third i kind of want to disagree with you on the you know maybe change the text to target player loses the game i love the idea of destroy target player just because that opens the door for another card in the future to say target player has indestructible and i'm a big fan of that too (laughs) um this is a really cool card because, like you said, like there are 
I don't know how many Rakdos commanders there are off the top of my head. This isn't my favorite one of them, but I would build this and probably play it more than most Rakdos commanders I can think of. So it's a, it's a cool concept. It's one that could easily fit in the game. I guess the only thing I'd say is that you have to do something where the Doom counters can't be reduced by any other effect. Otherwise, it would get kind of weird if you can just be like, oh, I'm going to remove a counter because blank. Uh, just specifically yeah. for the spell effect itself, but Agreed. I like yep. I like this card. It's cool. Um, moving on to Dr. Julius Jumblemorph. Two generic, one green, one white for a legendary creature, 4-4. Four, four. Dr. Julius Jumblemorph is every creature type, even if this card isn't on the battlefield. Whenever a host enters the battlefield under your control, you may search your library and or graveyard for a card with augment and combine it with that host. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. Alex, I don't understand any of the words that I just said. So, help me out here. Yep, so, uh, number, we'll go ahead and start from the top here. Uh, Dr. Julius Jumblemorph is every creature type. That's a, that's a characteristic-defining ability, and that basically means that no matter where Dr. Julius Jumblemorph is, he's in your command zone, in your graveyard, in your hand, on the battlefield. Any zone in the game, he's always going to have every creature type. He uh, He's a shapeshifter. He's changeling. And and he's definitely not the first creature to have this ability, um, but that's, that's just worth going over briefly. His second ability here, his trigger, whenever a host enters the battlefield, a host is a type of card that only exists in Silver Border, and it's, uh, it's sort of a system they have where any host can be combined with any augments to, to sort of make these creature mashups as it were. And and again, that system really only works in Silver Border where you have these types and, and it's a little bit silly in Silver Border. They have like only one of the cards has a mana cost and only one of them has has its rose text on one side and then on the other side and it kind of put them together and, and they <laughs> it's quite a silly thing, but uh but it, it definitely works in Silver Border because those card types exist. You combine these these two cards. And if we were to, to modify this to to make it work in Black Border, we would basically have to change the host and augment parts to something that exists in Black Border. Because presumably, we're just talking about making these commanders into legal cards. We're not talking about all the many, many hundreds of different Silver Border cards. That's a little bit too into the weeds for this episode. So if we were to change that into something like that he's a like a meld tribal commander, or maybe a mutate tribal commander. I was thinking mutate, mutate except for the every creature um, type. Mutate doesn't really care about. Uh, oh yeah, I guess non human. Mutate on but, him. Yeah. Um, but you know what? That's okay. Sure. Not every commander needs to be the center of the deck. Uh, this would just be able to to tutor out your mutate creatures. It would be a little uh, a little anemic because there's really very few mutate creatures. But I'm sure they could figure something out, Mike. Sure. It's. It's a cool idea for a card. It, it sounds like it'd be difficult to pull off without changing a whole bunch of stuff, though. Um, yeah. Next next one, we're going to move on to what I think is my favorite art, but not my favorite commander here. Uh, Frankie Peanuts. Uh, two generic, two white, legendary creature, elephant rogue. It's a 2-3. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may ask target player a yes or no question. If you do... That player answers the truth, the question truthfully and abides by that answer, if able, until end of turn. 
So, I feel like this is a card you could get real creative with, but I I, I don't know if I, I just don't have the you know galaxy brain to make it work. So help me out, Alex. Yeah, Mike. Uh, really, the issue with this card is that it really has no sort of limitations on it. Right. Um, you you kind of have it set up as as kind of a truth or dare kind of thing, where as written, you could ask players uh, questions about themselves, personal questions, instead of questions about the board state or things they have in their hand, you know? Sure. Um, now, believe it or not, this kind of effect is not completely beyond the pale. Obviously, as written, this is completely inappropriate. You would never see print in black border. Um, you can't just be like asking somebody what color their underwear is, you know? Uh, but there is a card I'd like to bring to to your attention that you may have seen. It's called Liar's Pendulum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a one-mana artifact, and it has the activated ability to and tap it, name a card, target opponents, guesses whether a card with that name is in your hand. You may reveal your hand. If you do and your opponent guessed wrong, draw a card. Now, this card is is quite interesting and quite unique, and it doesn't really line up with what Frankie Peanuts does. But what I think it demonstrates is that this kind of effect could possibly be translated to Black Border Mine. Sure. The what I when I'm looking at this, I turn it into a it's a yes or no question kind of thing. So the yes or no questions that you have to ask are things like are you going to attack me with all your creatures next turn? Or are you going to attack me next turn? And if they say no, cool. You kind of have your own little weird, you know, Teferi's protection from that player's creatures for <laughs> for a turn. Um, you could also say, are you planning? Are are you going to cast a spell five CMC or higher next turn? Stuff like that. And I get that. But then when you get into the abides that answer if able until end of turn in a card like this in a format like this where it's like, well, I was. But now if I don't, I die. But that means that you're still able to not do it. But it's it's a weird card. I feel like there's a cool list that exists somewhere as far as awesome things to do with this. And for the record, holy cow, is this a mono-white card? Because it's taking the most mono-white thing I can think of and making it weirder in yes or no taxes, essentially. It's like a zone of truth. It really is. And uh, it's it's cool. I don't know if I could build it, but I'd it, like to. It definitely to. <laughs> has uh, it, it has issues, fundamental issues. But I think that it's not beyond repair. A card with this same kind of feeling mm-hmm. could exist. Yeah, um, and that's why I bring up the the liar's pendulum. Sure. No, I, I, it's 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 very specialty, but I like it. Moving on to our next one here. This is one of the more famous Silver Border legendaries, I think. Uh, Grimlock, Dinobot Commander. One generic, red, green, white, for a legendary artifact creature, Autobot, 4-4. Dinosaurs, vehicles, and other Transformers, registered, creatures you control, get plus two, plus zero. For two generic, and convert a a Transformers toy you own to its other mode, Grimlock, Dinosaur Leader, becomes Grimlock, Ferocious King. Flip it to the other side. Grimlock, Ferocious King, is an 8-8 legendary artifact creature dinosaur with trample. 
pay two generic, convert a dinosaur's toy you own to its other mode, Grimlock Ferocious King becomes Grimlock Dinobot Leader. So they don't have a werewolf commander. They, they have tried to make werewolf tribal a thing. Brawl and uh, doing it with planeswalkers has helped a little bit, but I don't think there's a ton of you know options for werewolf. So what they decided to do was, hey, we're going to make a werewolf commander, but it's an Autobot, and it cares about other Autobots <laughs> and Unstable. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fun card because you literally get to play show and tell with some of your collection at home, I guess. Um, go ahead, Alex. Tell, tell me why this does or doesn't work. Well, my, the problem with cards like this, and there's another one like this that we'll talk about soon, is that it's referencing objects that are outside of the game of magic. So obviously right. that's kind of a non-starter. However, I, I don't think that it's beyond repair because like you said, this is most analogous to uh, werewolves, which are uh, a, a breed of double-faced card that transform. And there, there are definitely other transforming double-faced cards, and we just got modal double-faced cards that don't transform, which I won't talk about. But as it's written... Really, it's not going to work. But rather than paying the cost of convert a toy you own to its other mode, it could be that you pay the cost of transform a permanent you control. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that would allow this commander to, to transform. And I think that that minor change would, wouldn't even really take much away from, uh, from the flavor of this card, and it would make it a lot more uh, sort of comprehensible. Like, I- I feel like if you literally took every word on this card that said Autobot or Transformer and you turn it into Werewolf, Mm -hmm. this would be a really fun commander. (laughs) Like, day one, just, okay, cool, yeah, let's do this, you know? Um, It's, I I like it, uh, but yeah, the, the whole having it exist out of something else and, I don't know, maybe because you're playing this as a commander and you bring your transformer registered, um, <laughs> uh, you bring that toy over and then one of the other players at the table just says, Hey, can I see that? And then doesn't give it back to you. Well, now you're just stuck. Um, it's it a cool, problems. it's a cool idea uh, at the very least. Uh, moving on to another Rakdos commander that I'm a big fan of Rakdos of this set. It kind of, it, it kind of makes sense because Rakdos is the chaotic Let's do some weird stuff. Colors, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we're going to move on to Grisilda, Monster Masher. Three generic, one black, one red. For a legendary creature, zombie villain. Another reference of villain. Big fan. Uh, combined, enchanted, and equipped creatures you control have menace. For three generic, a black, a red, and tapping Grisilda. Put two target creature cards from graveyards onto the battlefield combined into one creature under your control. Its power is equal to their total power. Its toughness is equal to their total toughness. And it has their names, mana costs, types, text boxes, etc. for a 4-4 creature. So this is graveyard stealing mutate on a commander that also gives menace two things that do so and other benefit and anything that's enchanted equipped etc this is a cool card <laughs> i like this card alex i agree this this card is quite interesting rakdos when when the gloves come off for rakdos you really start to see some interesting things 
like Crusilda here. Yeah. And uh, Baron von Count and, and Zantra, the sleeper agent, things like that. Um, like this card basically works as written, which is quite exciting, I think. Right. You could print this card in Black Border. Now, obviously, there needs to be a rule in the official rules, and I'm sure there is because they do add uh, Silver Border rules to the comprehensive rule set that basically describes the the intricacies of what the combined word means and what it does. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, this card is completely... Print this bad boy. This, yeah. this girl is great. Um, her name is, is kind of evocative of... Brizella, which is a famous melt creature. Yeah. Combination of, uh, of those two angels. Uh, I like this, Mike. I really like this. I, I, the, the, the idea that this is literally the Monster Masher is fun. Um, Monster Mash. The, if you just looked at an effect... It, I mean, Alex, would you pay five mana to combine two creatures from graveyards onto the battlefield under your control? Mike, are you kidding me? Five mana is the going rate to steal a creature right. from another person's graveyard and just take that. Exactly. Two creatures for five mana? Are you serious? And this and it's repeatable. And when you do it, it has menace. Like this is this yeah. is just a cool card. This is um, a strong card. Okay. I, I think I think I'm folk I'm focused on Grisilda because the next one has just enough text where I'm I'm probably gonna screw up forty five times, so bear oh, with me boy. everybody. Is it Jollum Grifter? I believe so. Okay, so if it's not, uh, it's not legal, so don't, so don't at me. Um, three generic, red, red, summon the legend. For one generic and a red, you tap him. Put Jollum Grifter and two lands you control face down in front of target opponent after revealing each card to him or her. Then rearrange the order of the three cards as often as you wish, keeping them on the table at all times. That opponent then chooses one of those cards. If a land is chosen, destroy target card in play. Otherwise, sacrifice Jalem Grifter, and it is a 3-5. So this is just a commander that does three-card money. Yeah, three-card money is a very famous grifting game that uh, you might see on the street corner that appears to be fair. And a guy's friend comes up, you don't know he's his friend, and he wins the game, and then you go up and you do it, and you lose the game because they're cheating. Um, Mike, this this card is... I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that this card's not okay. Um, because <laughs> this card is, I think, more most closely akin to dexterity cards like uh, Chaos Confetti, uh, Falling Star, Chaos Orb... And, uh, and cards of that nature, because this card is completely inaccessible to uh, players who are uh, who are blind or hard of seeing. Sure. There's literally no way that a player with, uh, with difficulty seeing would be able to interact with this card. And uh, if anybody's curious, uh, there are some videos out there that maybe we can link to of, of blind magic players. And typically what they'll do is they'll stamp the the name of a card uh, in braille onto the sleeve which works great for them but uh, obviously that's not at all viable with Jalen Grifter sure. and I think for that reason uh, this card's just there's really nothing that can be done unfortunately it's a really funny idea but this card would never be able to be legal yeah I mean like I I get what you're saying and, and I, I'm, I'm with you on it uh, Goblin Game exists and I know that there's ways to get around that too it just I don't know. There, there's too many hoops for 
anybody to jump through for this to make sense at all, even though it's 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 a cute idea. I don't even know if it's a good idea. It's a cute idea. Well, Mike, uh, Goblin Game is is pretty fundamentally different from that. Even though Goblin sure. Game is the most silver border card ever printed in Black Border, right? And, and Ristic Studies has a fantastic video about this. Uh, but when it's played uh, in a in a sanctioned environment, which it seldom is, um, typically. I don't know if you want to if you have Goblin Game pulled up or not, but basically with Goblin Game, you're playing a gambit where you hide objects and uh, you guess a number of objects and lose life equal to that guess, and then uh, the the person who hides the least the closest also, loses half yeah. their life total. Um, it's it's just kind of a silly card that involves referencing outside objects. When sure. that card is played in a sanctioned environment, uh, what the what the judge would have you do is. Of write down a number and, and yes. keep that number secret. Um, and, and that's what I was referring to, where it's like, there is a card that says, do this thing, which is absolutely not something that every player that can do, can do, but they've made workarounds for it to where it's still a card that exists, and it says do this, but instead of hiding objects, it's writing down a number. It, it's, it's doing something along those lines. I don't think you can really to do that with this card right. like you this, can't the idea of this card just kind of makes I, that not I, really possible. I, I mean i guess you you as the the owner of jalem grifter could write down a number one two or three and then the other player could pick a number but even then like it's but that's not how three card money works right and that's kind of where it's like okay this is a little this is a little more off base than i'm happy with i think um, we can agree that it's it's a really flavorful idea it's just sure. not going to be able to be ever legal yep so let's go ahead and move on to I don't know if flavorful is the right word, but it's definitely kind of <laughs> on the nose here uh, with Johnny, combo player. Two generic, blue-blue, legendary creature, human gamer. Um, st- cool creature type. <laughs> not not as good as villain, but fun. Uh, this is a 1-1 for four generic. Search your library for a card. Put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. So, I mean, it's literally what it says. It's a combo player commander it just tutor for four get the things put them in your hand yeah exactly mike if, if johnny could design a card uh the the quintessential johnny and and for those who don't know uh mark rosewater describes uh, three different core kinds of players in the game and one of them is johnny who's very focused on the tactical aspect of deck building and the, and the tactical aspect of creating combos um and and if that if that archetypical person were to design a card, it really probably would be quite similar to this. Uh, search your library for a card, put that card into your hand. Um, Mike, this card's completely fine. Sure. Uh, except for the gamer subtype, which doesn't exist. <laughs> Everything about this, totally fine. Now, would you be focused all the hell if you played this in your commander game? Yeah, but I would say this is n- roughly as oppressive as Urza, and Urza's legal. That silence is me having to think about if this was on the table and Urza was on the table, which one would I would I be targeting first? That's a good question. And I think I would uh, I'd pick my cards up at that point, right? Yeah, I was gonna say I think I think what my target is taking my cards and targeting them to go back into the deck box and me finding <laughs> a different table. Um, the fact that you don't have to tap them or anything is just like okay. Uh, but at the same time, it, it'd be very silly for me to get upset about how broken a card is that is not legal in our format on purpose mm, compared yep. to a card that 
is broken and is on purpose, not banned. Anyway, Johnny, cool. Go go for it, combo players. Uh, <laughs> moving on to another another cool Rakdos commander here, uh, Mario Kill, which I love. I love the wordplay there. Um, five generic, and then a black or red for a legendary creature. Say it with me, human villain. For one generic and a black or red, switch a kill bot or Mario Kill in your hand with one on the battlefield, and this is a five five. So this is like non-attacky ninjutsu but for kill bots <laughs> which okay i just i i like the idea this is cool um if the creature is tapped the switch creature is tapped the same is true for untapped attacking blocking enchanted equipped and targeted any counters on a creature any any creature or sorry any counters on a creature are on the switched creature instead so it's a full-fledged exchange Talk to me, Alex. Yeah, Mike, this is definitely a very interesting mechanic, and it could definitely be incorporated into Black Border. Um, now, rules would need to be written for this because this effect simply does not exist. Right. Um, ninjutsu and, and Commander Ninjutsu and it, the related effects absolutely do not inherit the status of that card, and they definitely don't inherit the counters of that card. Uh, that's, that's completely different from anything that's ever been printed before. Something I would like to note is that uh, when you reference in this ability switch a killbot or marry o kill, uh, specifically that would be referencing a creature type. So a creature type killbot or a creature type marry o kill. Now as far as I know, there are no creatures with the creature type marry o kill. So I believe designers meant to say is switch a killbot or a card named Mario Kill. Right. With with one in your hand or one in the battlefield. I could be wrong about that. I don't have uh, all cards with creature type Mario Kill pulled up on my computer right now. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Mike, help me out here. What? I'm going to ask a stupid question. What wordplay do you mean by Mario Kill? Help me out. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Mary or Kill. <laughs> like oh, <that> game. <laughs> I understand. Okay. I, which I, under, I understand. That it's... went right over my head. I, I, I don't even know if that's actually what it's referencing, but I still like it. So I just decided to roll with it. I don't see how that really is incorporated with her effect, but I'm, I'm willing to, to believe that. Well, that's kind of what I, I'm thinking. It's a I'm putting this out here or I'm putting a kill bot. So it's marry or kill. OK, OK, but I get you. Oh, it's 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 a weird it's a weird effect. I like the idea My of this is is getting all the all the fun stuff today well we'll we'll get a little bit further down and give some shine to a couple of other cards but so far it's it's the clear winner in my book um not a rakdos card here uh is our next one nightmare moon this is four generic black black for a legendary creature alicorn six six with flying as long as it's nighttime nightmare moon has it gets plus two plus two and has menace for six generic Transform Nightmare Moon. Any pony may activate this ability to help pay for the cost. And it's not any space pony, as in two words, any pony, one word, <laughs> may help you pay for the cost. When they do, they become your friend. Which, so far, card is already winning as far as I'm concerned. But it flips over into Princess Luna, Legendary Creature, Alicorn, 
4-4 with flying. When this creature transforms into Princess Luna, choose up to six cards you own from outside the game with a moon in their art, then exile those cards. As long as those cards remain exiled, you may cast them and your friends may cast them with your permission in in parentheses, gifts are appreciated. Not in flavor text, just parentheses. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, this is part of a. Uh, oh, we'll get we'll get to the rest set. of them. There's a couple yeah, more. <laughs> we're, I'm I'm not going to go into those right now, but this sure. is part of a a uh, secret lair set themed around uh, My Little Pony. And so it has this kind of, they, they really went all outs. They, they, they sure the did. Frame. They, <laughs> they redid the set symbol. Um, they did the watermark. Even the hollow stamp is in the shape of a heart. Um, and, and as you can see, rather than saying any player, they said any pony, one word. Um, yeah, wow. So this card has a lot of issues that would really make it, not really appropriate for Black Border. Number one, uh, as long as it's nighttime, that's not really a thing. Uh, now, any player, and I'm going to say any player, they activate this ability or help pay for the cost. That does have a precedent. We talked about this uh, a the couple of episodes mechanic, ago yeah. with the assist mechanic. That's okay there. Um, it would need to be retemplated, but but that's definitely not without precedent. Sure. The friend system, I'm not really familiar with that. Now I realize that that sounds pretty incriminating, saying like I have no friends. <laughs> I was gonna say and I don't know what true, you're talking. I have no friends. I don't know but... what you're talking about. Anytime I sit down, everybody <laughs> I'm with is my friend. So absolutely, I don't. I don't um, feel cool putting a but title. But the idea on of, a, of a friend <laughs> being codified into magic, right? Um, as far as I know, there's no there's no actual rules around that. Player type but, friend. Uh, yeah, this 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 card really would need to be completely torn down and built back up, yeah. which would kind of ruin the idea of it. Um, but I'm sure it's quite flavorful for the uh, for the franchise, the Pony franchise. I, I'm not going to lie. I have other thoughts on this card, but we also have, I think, two other uh, My Little Pony franchise cards to get into. Yeah, we got so a couple more. So I'm just that. gonna I'm just gonna keep going. Uh, to old Buzzbark. This is a X and one red, one green, legendary creature, Goblin Warrior. These are all things that make sense so far in our format. Um, when Old Buzz Bark enters the battlefield, roll X six-sided dice onto the battlefield from a height of at least X inches. For each die, put a number of plus one plus one counters equal to the result on each creature you control that die is touching. For each die, Old Buzz Bark deals damage equal to the result to each creature an opponent controls that die is touching for a 3-3. Three, three. That's a whole lot of schematics on Rolly Dice. Yeah, uh, this card is most analogous to, to Chaos Orb. Yep. Which uh, is a dexterity card. It's banned in every format that involves uh, dropping the card physically from a height above the table and destroying, or in this case, dealing damage to each permanent it touches. As, as we talked about with uh, Jalen Grifter... Dexterity cards are pretty much verboten. I, I don't even think it's really appropriate to be printing these in Silver Border, but, I mean, they're meant to be silly and not really played, so that's, I right. guess that's neither here nor there. But, uh, of course, dexterity cards will immediately uh, make it not possible for anybody with limited range of mobility or 
uh, paralysis or anything like that, they wouldn't be able to uh, play the effect. So, of right. course, this is pretty much a non-starter mode. It's a cool concept as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, hey, you're basically playing craps, uh, <laughs> throwing a bunch of dice onto the table and seeing what happens. Um, but regardless, that's... Man, that could get destructive, too, depending on how big of a table and how many people you're dealing with. Yeah, Mike, I've, I've played with... Uh, you might have heard of, of gravity dice and other metal dice that are oh yeah extremely heavy, and I've seen them dent tables. Oh, I've, And if they yeah. drop those on your cards... They might permanently damage those cards. That's that's another issue to consider. Yeah, I've, I've got some D20s that I'm pretty sure if I rolled them the wrong way at somebody that I'm, they're dealing with a concussion. So It'd technically be a war crime. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to let old Buzzbark go by the old wayside and move on to... I. It's early to say this. I think this is my favorite concept of a card on the <laughs> Silver Borders. We'll see. Maybe we'll re-examine and talk about... But I, th- I think we should just go ahead and plan on, hey, what's your favorite commander? What would you build a deck out of if you could? Uh, but we're going to move on to Phoebe, Head of Sneak, as an acronym, S-N-E-A-K. Uh, that is one generic, one blue, one black, for legendary creature human spy. Again, all stuff so far that totally works. Two, three... Phoebe, Head of Sneak, can't be blocked by creatures with flavor text. Well, all right, we're starting to go off the rails. Two generic, one blue, one black. Phoebe permanently steals target creature's text box. That creature loses all rules text, flavor text, and watermarks. This creature gains them. Um, One quick aside, there's a lot of good flavor text in these cards as well. Uh, I do like that the flavor text for this card is this space intentionally left blank. Hmm. Oh, this is a cool card. <laughs> yeah, like this is a great design for a card, and it's not even Rakdos. So right. uh, that's that's definitely a plus. Um now as as you noted, the first one's kind of right out. Magic cards in Black Border can't reference flavor text. Right. Because flavor text is not part of the, the rules text of a card. However, the activated ability is definitely not out of left field because we do have cards that become copies of other cards that's a very normal effect mm-hmm. uh you have uh i'm sure there's some i can come up with at the top of my head there's the there's the guild mage from uh no the guild master from demir uh help me out what's his name lazav lazav thank you mm-hmm. lazav demir mastermind can do a very similar effect to this yeah uh, there are other cards that do that too. You've got Volrath uh, yes. can do that with the counters. There's there's creatures that say it becomes this except mm-hmm. for it retains this thing's name. So right. it, it, there's there's a similar effect that already exists. This is just yeah, basically the going for the way it. That <laughs> you would template this in Blackboarder is that Phoebe uh, becomes a copy of that creature and has this ability. Yeah, blue black Phoebe, and then it would also have the clause that that creature loses all abilities and its name and its type, which also is is not uh, something that's unheard of either. We have humility and mm-hmm. similar effects turned to frog um, that make creatures lose abilities and types and uh, and things of that nature. Mike, this card with some fix ups, some minor changes, this could be totally fine. Yeah, uh, I. I, I think I think if if you just flat out transferred it 
it might be a little powerful with the whole, you know, not having to tap it effect. But it's still a two three. Like it doesn't it doesn't say it takes its power and toughness or anything along those lines. It's cool. I, I think this would be a really weird but fun Voltron commander to play around with. <laughs> Um, because then, you know, the problem with, like, I have a couple Voltron decks, and I like souping up the, the big beefy creature, or even the really tiny germ, and turning it into stuff, but the problem is, is that you can kind of know what effects you're gonna get. This would be the ultimate Voltron commander in that you literally have no idea what this is gonna turn into. You just know that it's not going to be (laughs) Phoebe Head of Sneak by itself for very long. I, I, I like this card. It's a little bit like Mutate. Yeah. Yeah, I could Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Moving on, we got another uh, dice-based uh, creature with Pippa, Duchess of Dice. Two generic and a green. For a legendary creature, Human Noble, 2-2. Two, two. For two and a green, tap Pippa, roll a six-sided die. It becomes a green die creature token with power and toughness equal to its result. For two and a blue, tap Pippa, re-roll any die. Odd uh, little bit of text here saying activate this ability only any time it makes sense. Sure. I mean, I do not want to re-roll a die when I have not rolled a die, but fair enough. I, I could see this being kind of neat. This is a little weird, but I, I kind of like it. Yeah, absolutely. In, in Magic, we do have coin flip mechanics, and those are well-represented Maybe not in the commander sphere, but uh, across many different cards, reference coins being flipped, and we don't currently have rolling dice in Black Border, but that would definitely not be uh, that difficult to to add mm-hmm. as a system. And her idea of uh, of her activated ability, rolling a die, and then creating a token with that much toughness and power, that totally works. Um, we have coin flips that do very similar things. And re-rolling a die, we have Crocs other thumb, or Crocs left thumb, whatever, whatever the black border one is, uh, um, yeah. that allows you to, to flip a coin again. That effect I, exists as well. I think With, that's uh, just Kirk's thumb. I think I think it's yeah. just his first one, and then his You're other right. one is the Thank silver border weird just, one. It's just Crocs thumb. Yeah. Then the silver border is Crocs other thumb. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike, it this would just need uh, just need a section in the rules that detailed how rolling dice works. And with that, this card would be would be completely fine. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I don't know. I I, I think this is kind of a fun. You know, I'm gonna pay three mana and potentially get a six six. Might get a one one. You know, it's a cool tokens idea. Um, yeah, it's weird. I I don't I don't know that I'd build it, but I would be very interested to see it piloted. It's definitely more interesting than the. Simic Commander that just got leaked, which I won't really go into because it's a leak, but suffice to say, it does things that you would expect a Simic Commander to do, and this card really doesn't. Fair enough. Moving on, we're going back to the uh, Pony Universe. I don't... Man, I'm going to make so many people mad by not knowing, so I'm just not even going to try and delve into that. I mean, do you that. really care that much? No, but you know what? It like The last thing I want to do is make people feel that I'm insulting something they care about when That's the entire right. thing that we're doing is, hey, here's how to have more fun with the thing that you care about. That's um, so what I'll do instead is I will politely say, my bad, 
And if you're still mad at me at this point, well, it's on your fault. You suck. Uh, Princess Twilight Sparkle. One white, one blue for a legendary creature, Alicorn. 2-2 two, two with flying. Other Alicorns, horses, pegasi, ponies, and unicorns you control get plus one, plus one. And for Wooburg, if you control Applejack, Fluttershy, Pinkie Pie, Rainbow Dash, and Rarity, every pony wins the game. Okay. <laughs> That those are my thoughts on this card. Alex, what do you have to add? Mike, I'll just say again that, that they templated this wrong. You would need to say if you control a card named Applejack, a card named Fluttershy, because as it as it's as it's written, you would need a card with the creature type Applejack. Um right. creature type Fluttershy, which I, they didn't mean to do that. But I will say that if this card were in black border and it weren't my little pony themed and it was referencing cards that exist because uh to my knowledge uh applejack pinkie pie that honestly most of these i think all except rarity uh they don't exist right so they're <laughs> without uh spy kid or or the the silver birder card with no name there would be no way to to successfully activate this ability However, that being said, all that all that being said, other than the fact that the it rule can't stacks, work because right, those cards other, don't exist, continue. Right, other than the fact <laughs> that this card literally can't ever work because those cards do not exist, and also it's My Little Pony themed, which for me is is kind of a reason that I wouldn't want to play it. But that might be different for somebody else. The rules text: everybody wins the game. No, excuse me. Possibly, excuse me. Everybody. Yes, Mike, everybody wins the game. I'm, I'm, I'm looking Each at it. player wins the game. I'm looking at it. It says every pony there, Alex. I don't... Uh... Why are you doing this to me, Mike? All right, continue, Judge. Each player wins the game is quite possibly the best sentence that has ever been printed on a magic card. Second second only to every pony wins the game. Oh, my God. Um, so we're going to move on to one of the cards that actually does <laughs> exist here. Uh, as a part of that... And it's rarity. We we were just talking about you. Uh, one generic for uh, one generic, one white, one blue for a legendary creature unicorn. So we're moving towards the creature types that actually exist again. Uh, for a two two, rare and mythic spells you cast cost one less to cast. Pay one generic and tap rarity, and you reveal a My Little Pony toy. My Little Pony toy you own. Until end of turn, another target creature gains protection from each color in that toy's that toy's coat, mane, oh and outfit. God. Alex, I'm telling, I'm struggling here. I practiced reading these out loud, and sometimes you know, it's it's just I, I I I'm trying to get all the way through it, and it's hard, man. <laughs> you're having some trouble, but I don't really blame you, Mike, because these aren't really normally words that you read on a magic card. Um, now. Obviously, rare and mythic rare are not characteristics that a card has. You, you would never see this printed on Black Border. Um, and this is referring to the, the rarity of the card as, right. as distributed in, in set boosters. But surprisingly, the expansion symbol of a card is a characteristic of a card. Yeah. Uh, and it is a copyable characteristic. You might, uh, you might be aware of the card... I think it's a Golgothian Silex uh, that destroys all cards from uh, from a certain expansion. Huh. And okay. 
the expansion symbol on the card, which is on the timeline to the right, is in actuality a real part of the card that is copied when you become a copy. It's a copyable characteristic. Um, so I guess it's not entirely beyond the realm of believability that rarity uh, as a as a trait, not rarity the card, could be <laughs> could become a characteristic. Sure. Um, that's that's not unthinkable. However, it currently isn't. And also, this is referencing uh, toys outside the game, just like Grimlock. Yeah. So that's kind of straight out. However, you could, in theory, rewrite that ability to to be reveal a, a creature card of one of these creature types that these ponies care about from your hand, and then each creature you control gains protection from the colors that that creature is. If it were green and black, for example, gain protection from green and from black. Um, however, as written, this card doesn't really work much. So let me pitch you on something weird then. Let's say that they figure out a way to just, you know what, we're just going to keep the first line of text. The rare and mythic rare spells you cast cost one less to cast. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just pretend that that's fine. If instead it said pay one generic, tap it, reveal a rare or mythic spell in your hand until end of turn another target creature another target rare or mythic creature gains protection from each color in that card's color. I, I mean, you'd have to really weird it, uh, word it weirdly, but I feel like you could make this card work if you changed the, the outside toy issue. But even then, that's man, that's a stretch. I'm trying so hard. Like a, a bit of a can of worms, Mike, because yeah. uh, the, the rarity of a card is not part of its uh i guess you would say it's oracle it's oracle text um and one of the reasons for that is that cards can be upshifted and downshifted in rarity as they receive reprints uh, across different sets for example in one set a card might be a mythic and then in another set it might be a rare or an uncommon even there you go uh i i tried you know my little pony fans I, I tried to make it work but man this is it's it's difficult uh, and you know who you can blame for that? Our next card here, Richard Garfield, PhD. Uh, three generic, blue, blue, for a legendary creature, human designer. 2-2. Two, two. You may play cards as though they were other cards of your choice with the same mana cost. You can't choose the same card twice. Mana cost includes colors. I mean, this is completely unplayable, right, Alex? Yeah, Mike, this... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this, this might be a little bit confusing um, to, to what people are saying because what's uh, this this could mean any number of things as it's templated, but what it means is that you can play a card and then just pretend that it's another card in the game of Magic with an identical mana cost. Uh, so Richard Garfield, PhD, is three blue-blue. That happens to be the cost of... Uh, Force of Will, correct? Force of Will's three blue blue. Sure is. So you could play you could play him like he's Force of Will. Uh, and his flavor text is and yea he doth spake let there be magic. As Richard Garfield is the uh, creator of Magic the Gathering. And in the art here we have him as a as sort of a patron saint of magic. Yeah. And he has a halo with, with the five colors of I, on it. I am a big fan of the mana symbol halo. I, I will, it's, I will it's absolutely give him that. Um, and, and even his typeline has has sort of the biblical, old-timey right. drop cap 
for the the Ellen Legendary. It's very fanciful and fun card, but Mike, this card could never be legal. No, no, it's 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 terrifying in general. <laughs> yeah. At at the very least, if you played it, at least you would be restricted to blue. So there is that. Oh, it's, it's only thank just goodness. It's only restricted just to blue. Right. It's just only every blue card that's ever been the printed. most fair of all the colors. Well, speaking of fair. Um, should we move on to our next card? Shall we? Which, I don't even know if this is more or less legal. <laughs> uh, we go to Spike, Tournament Grinder, uh, two Generic and two Black Phyrexian uh, for a Legendary Creature Human Gamer. So, hey guys, we've got at least two now. Uh, Phyrexian mana can be with, paid with either a Black or two Life. For four Phyrexian... Choose a card you own from outside the game that has been banned or restricted in a constructed format. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. This is a 1-1 creature. Uh, go ahead. So, uh, Phyrexian mana, Mike, as I'm sure you're aware, is, historically speaking, one of the most <laughs> broken and strongest things that has ever been put into the game um, a lot of people might say that it's a mistake and i think they're really playing off of that here um yep because you can see that spike costs two and two phyrexian black which means that she costs two and yes. she has an ability for four phyrexian black which means the ability costs zero uh and <laughs> Just wow, go... uh, it's it's a wish effect, but it only wishes cards that are banned. Um, that's that's just kind of funny. This is a funny card. Oh, it's great. And, I, I love. And even her T-shirt says "Nope." Yeah, it, which is a blue. It's a blue shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything about this card says be illegal in the format, or as close to broken in the format as you possibly can. Which is why it's Spike. I get it. Um, this is a fun card. If anybody, if anybody ever sat down and asked that they could play this card, just leave. Don't the answers no. Don't 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 even adjust to the no. Play a different deck because if they want to play this deck, all of their legal decks are also going to be very 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 not fun to play against. So yeah. I want to um, reiterate that their wish effects do not function in the game of Commander. No, banned uh, cards also do not function in the game yeah. of Commander. Yeah, she has black lotus sleeves in the art. I can see. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. I mean, she, perhaps the most famous card in the entire game and banned. I I think I think if it weren't for like the the very arrogant smirk that she was wearing in the art, maybe I'd be a little bit less uh, abrasive. But probably not. The more I think about it. Uh, moving on to our next card here, uh, uh, we're we're going back into the realm of possible question mark. Uh, Stet, Draconic Proofreader, four generic, red, red, for a legendary creature, dragon, good, Bureaucat, okay, uh, four, four with flying, uh, whenever Stet, Draconic Proofreader attacks, you may exile a card from your graveyard. When you do, Stet, Draconic Proofreader, deals four damage to any target whose name begins with the same letter as the exiled card. And then for a white, Delete the first letter of target permanent or player's name until end of turn. So obviously, not something that you could just 
run right out of the uh, <laughs> run right out and play. But this is cool. I like manipulating the words on cards a lot. So sell me on why I can't play this. Well, Mike, uh, we actually get pretty close to playable until we get down to that activated ability. Yeah. Because the name of a card, a card's name, is a characteristic of a card, and it is always the English name of that card. Sure. Um, Now, deleting letters out of a name, and out of a player's name, which is kind of might start causing some existential crises. Oh, I've got some thoughts uh, on that. It, I'm real excited. Keep going. <laughs> it, it it has its it has its issues, Mike. I will say that uh, even though this there's no way this card could be playable, um, this is perhaps the most unique Boros Commander we've gotten since Feather the Redeemed. There's someone in my play group named Jason. Nothing would make me happier to delete two na- letters from his name and then just make him my son for the entire game. Oh, wow. And then burn him with anything that has S in its name. <laughs> um, this is a weird card. It's cool. It You, you can't play it, but man, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Man, how do I how do I even say your name? Okay, so... It's the full name as written. I, I know, but I, I, I'm... So we're going with Surgeon General Redacted. <laughs> Commander... <laughs> For three generic and a green. Uh, legendary creature. Wombat Bat Chameleon. Uh, this is a 3-3 three, three that says whenever you augment, enchant, or mutate a creature you control, draw a card, and you can tap it and add one of any color to your mana pool. Uh, one of the things that's pretty interesting in there, Alex, is that it specifically says mutate. When did this card come out? Mike, this card came out in... Uh... Well, it came out before Mutate. Right? Mutate came out this year, and this card came out uh, a year or two ago. So the uh, silver border this... can be a, it can be a, a, a little bit of forecasting of what's going to happen. So pay attention, guys. Go ahead, yeah, Alex. This is that's definitely a throwback to uh, the Steamflogger Boss. I believe is the name of the card. It was the only black border card ever released in an unset other than basic lands Mm. and it referenced assembling contraptions which is a mechanic that uh was was exclusive to unstable right but it didn't exist in the unset it came out in which was uh a previous unset so when we went many many years with a black border card that had a silver border effect that didn't exist uh and now we have another card that has a silver border effect that became black border you'd say came out in ikoria Mike, this, uh, except for the Augment, which doesn't exist in Black Border, you mm-hmm. can just take that out, and this card's totally fine. Yep. Absolutely. Yep, it just, I mean, this is just a Enchantress Mutate Commander that taps for mana. Cool. And it has a color identity of Woodward. Yep. Yeah, like, I, 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 this is just a card that enables you to, I almost consider this, like, I bear with me, because I know it's not. I almost just consider this, you know, a an enchantment in itself that just says draw a card when you do the thing that your deck wants to do. Just happens to have a power and toughness and taps for mana. I, I, I like that kind of commander. It's just enabling you to do something that you already want to do. Sure. Um, yeah, it's cool. 
you could you could absolutely out of the box just play this and I'm sure something that's five colors that says draw a card whenever you do something is absolutely something that doesn't ever get broken in any way, shape, or form. Uh, <coughs> sorry, I almost got through that without dying. Uh, moving on to our next commander here, Circadian Night Owl. See, it's funny because it's a bird knight that you That play. one I do get. Yeah, for three generic white, white. Um, it has Night Life Link, which, again, cool name. Uh, damage dealt by knights you can control also causes you to gain that much life. For a white, Circadian Night Owl gains vigilance until end of turn. Activate this ability only from sunrise to sunset. For a black, Circadian Night Owl gains flying until end of turn. Activate this ability only from sunset to sunrise, and it is a 4-4. Other than the timestamp on there, you can just play this card, can't you? Yeah, um, of course, just like with, uh, with the My Little Pony card, you can't reference times of day in right. the Magic card. That's, that's kind of understood. But uh, if, if you simply remove that, that text, said, for a white, this card gains vigilance, for a black, this card gains flying, and it had the clause or the ability, damage dealt by knights you control also causes you to gain that much life. Now, this isn't a very good card. No. But, but this is an extremely playable card if you remove those things. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's if you if you said, hey, this is a 5-mana 4-4 four, four that gives Knight's lifelink, you can pay a white to give it vigilance, you can pay a black to give it flying. Okay. I mean, that sounds like a card in Magic. I, it sounds like a card that I don't know that I'd nef- necessarily put into anything. But, sure, that could be a card. Um, it's weird. I, 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 but again, I do like the Night Owl and the Nightlife Link. Those are just, those are just fun things to say. So next we're going to go ahead and move on to, unfortunately, our, our last villain. Um, this is the big idea for generic red, red for legendary creature, Brainiac villain for two and then two black or red tap it. Roll a six-sided die. Create a number of 1-1 red Brainiac creature tokens equal to the result. Second ability, tap three untapped Brainiacs you control. The next time you would roll a six-sided die, instead roll two six-sided die and use the total of those results. And this is a 4-4 creature. Uh, This sounds like it could get pretty nuts if if left unchecked. Yeah, um, again, just like with... uh... With the Queen of Dice uh, that, that we were just talking about earlier, as long as we uh, write in how six-sided dice work in the game of Magic, this card is completely workable, um, and it even has an ability that's uh, somewhat similar to Krark's Thumb. Yeah, this is a this is a Rakdos token commander, and this basically works. Yeah, I mean it's. Unfortunately, uh, as as awesome as Rakdos has been, this is the least interested I've been in the Rakdos commanders that we've talked about. And that said, it's still pretty cool. It mm-hmm. still does something. So I, I I think I think Rakdos is the big winner of this, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, we'll we'll see if my playgroup has any problem with me playing one of these commanders and then see who the real winner is. But yeah, again, villains and Rakdos. 
Good job, Silver Porter. Uh, next commander we're looking at here. Oh, no, this isn't even a commander. This is just no, an it is. artifact. This is a... Oh. It is. Oh. Oh. Okay. So uh, next card we're looking at is the Grand Calcutron. This is a white and blue legendary artifact. When the Grand Calcutron enters the battlefield, each player's hand becomes a program, an ordered row of revealed cards. Players can only play the first card of their program. If a card would be put into a player's hand from anywhere, that player reveals it and places it anywhere within his or her program instead. At the beginning of each player's end step, if that player's program has fewer than five cards, he or she draws cards equal to the difference. So, first off, Alex, how is this commander? Well, Mike, you didn't read the Oracle text. Oh. This card has been eroded, and that errata has the clause, the Grand Calcutron can be your commander. <laughs> and even before it had that clause, it had a ruling, a gatherer ruling that said the Grand Calcutron can be your commander. So... Believe it or not, this legendary artifact can, in fact, be your commander. And the fact that they cared enough to write that clause just further empowers our mission to make as many of these cards legal and black border as possible. Because this one, they signed off on it, Mike. They said it was okay. So let's talk briefly about what is perhaps the single most interesting Azorius Stacks commander ever printed. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so first ability when this card enters the battlefield each player's hand becomes a program so basically that means you reveal your hand and it remains revealed and at that time you'll choose an order for your cards to be in uh, red left to right and you can only play or cast the first card in that program that'd be on the left side so what you would probably want to do is arrange... Uh, I know that when, when I'm playing EDH, um, I have my, my pet way that I like to arrange my cards. Typically what I'll do is I'll put my lands uh, in one spot altogether, and then I'll have my cards in Ascending CMC. But that really isn't how you would want to have your program ordered. No. Um, you would probably want to intersperse your lands, do some mana weaving in your hand so that you're able to hit a land drop each turn because if you put all your lands on one side of, of your hand like I do well you'd pretty quickly be saying land go <laughs> which would kind of suck but uh, yeah there's there's definitely some strategy to speak of when, when you're arranging your cards if a card would be put into a player's hand from anywhere that player reveals it and places it anywhere within the program that makes sense if, uh, if the order of your hand matters, then putting a card into your hand or drawing a card, you would need to be able to control where that card goes. Right. The tape doesn't just necessarily go from left to right at all times. You add new information in, and then you continue from that point. Yeah. Cool. And then at the beginning of each player's end step, if that player's program, their hand, has fewer than five cards, he or she draws cards equal to the difference. That's uh, That sounds a lot like Damia Sage of Stone yeah. to me. So that is for the whole table. So here's where I'm at. You said that this is the most interesting Azorius stacks commander. I'd say so. I have a counter for you. Okay. I think this is the most interesting anti stacks Azorius <laughs> commander. 
Because you know what makes really, really difficult for everybody at that point? Where do you put your counterspell? Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to put it where you, you expect to want to use a counterspell, and then if you don't use it, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. It, it's, I, this is, A, big fan of anything. If you're going to do stacks, it has to affect everybody. And this affects you. B, this allows you to draw cards if you're playing stuff because it's rewarding you for getting around the actual program that you've made, which is uh-huh. pretty fun. I, okay. We're, we're going to have a revelation here. I think I'm going to make this deck. What, like actually build the deck? I think, the list? I think I'm actually going to build this deck. And I'm gonna build, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get permission from my group, my play group. I'll build this deck. This will be the only silver border card that's in there. Now, listeners, this is an historic moment. Oh, because Mike has just said that he agrees that this is a stacks commander, and he's going to play I'm gonna, a deck helmed by this commander. I'm gonna try it, and I'll, I'll Mike, tell you. I think you're gonna have a great time, and definitely share the list when you have it. Well, here's here's what I'm more focused on. I think I'll have a great time. I think I will have a great time up until the point where I look at somebody else's face at the table and they are (laughs) locked out of being able to do anything until they draw several more cards. So I think what this is going to be is it's going to be, I think this is going to be a group hug stacks commander. If that makes sense, I'm going to do lots of prosperity. Everybody draw cards and all this other stuff. And we're going to see, we're going to see if we can make this work out. All right. I think that's, uh, like you said, running counter spells would be extremely problematic in this deck. Oh, yeah. You would definitely want to run counter spells that are on permanence, like Lena Lendra. Yes. Um, so that you wouldn't be sort of locking yourself into, I need to counter something this turn, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you'd, like, just having generic counter spell in hand, you would. At a certain point, you'd be like, "Okay, well, now it's my now it's number one in my program." So everybody knows that. But here's the other thing: you could, you could. But what I like about this is that I love the telepathy effect. I love Mm -hmm. being able to see everybody else's cards. So when you're building your program, you're actually looking at everybody else's cards on the table. This has more interaction without actually interacting. (laughs) <laughs> than any other card I've, I can think of. This card's great. I love this card. It's, it's, it's two mana. It's so weird. I like it. Okay, we're, we're going to have more discussion about this, and we'll come back to it in the future after I make it. Uh, but we're going to move on to... We have a deck tech video. Yeah, we're going to move on to the complete opposite side of the spectrum here with Timmy, <laughs> Power Gamer. Uh, two generic for a green-green legendary creature, human gamer. It's a 1-1 one, one for four mana, generic mana. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. The end. Alex, I don't have any problem with this. No, Mike, that's Elvish Piper. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, this might out me as a Timmy. Elvish Piper is probably one of the coolest designs for a card. Yeah. Uh, which which is a elf with the rules text, uh, pay a green and tap it, and put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. It's exactly this. Um, yeah. I would say of the three types of players, Timmy, Johnny, and Spike... I'm probably closest to Timmy. I'm going to be honest. Um, maybe I got a little Johnny in there, but no Spike, mostly Timmy. And Mike, this card's fine to play. 
Yeah, I like I like synergy a lot more than I like rah. But I think I think I'm still closer to the uh, to the what would you call it to the personality type <laughs> to the the even. Oh, you're definitely all Timmy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm very excitable. Big big battle cruiser badger. Like big splashy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's you don't have to tap it, so it's cool. It's a repeatable effect. It's a one-one, so it still dies real easy for something that you know has a really powerful effect. I'm totally fine with this. Uh, I I almost wish now that there was a a fourth player type, <laughs> so you could just have an EDH game of that. Fourthos. Yes, um, but I don't because I'd feel really bad for Timmy. And probably whoever the other fourth player was for 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 the feel bad for everybody playing against Spike. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like maybe maybe Johnny can pull it off, but Spike, yeah, Spike's just gonna win. If you let Spike's card run as written, you're screwed. It's just gonna pull Black Lotus for zero mana. Yeah, I think I think the you know what I would make the uh, the fourth <laughs> the the fourth card. Would be Karen, and it's just a zero mana deal one damage to target player or to target creature, to just stop people from doing the nonsense with this. I don't and think then, that would kill Spike though. What Spike's uh, Spike's, oh, Spike's a one one. one one. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, so at that point, no one gets to have fun except for but Timmy. Because in response to that, Spike yeah. can just activate her ability over and over. And oh yeah, a bunch of banned cards. Oh yeah, no, all of this is terrible. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> We're gonna move on to our last card here because. I want an excuse to be able to go back to the Grand Calcutron now that I understand how it works. Uh, our last card, and this is the one I've been dreading this entire time, is X. For a blue and a black, you can play a legendary creature, Human Spy, 2-2. As long as X is in X's owner's opponent's hand, X's owner may cast X and activate X's abilities. That opponent may ca- uh, That opponent can't cast X and play with his or her hand revealed. For a blue and a black, you tap it, put X into target opponent's hand. For three generic, a blue and a black, you may play a card in the same hand as X without playing its mana cost. Okay. Mike, you did a pretty good job there. Well, it, it, like I said, I've been dreading it. Um, so what this says is you can put it into somebody's hand, you can activate its ability, and that opponent can't cast it even though it's in his hand and they play with their hand revealed so this is you literally planting a spy in somebody's hand and as you do so you can then pay five mana to play cards from their hand without paying their mana cost so it's weirder send triplets yeah i was going to say uh, send triplets is probably the closest legal analog to this card and we would have to write new rules to make this card work because uh you cannot have a card owned by another player enter one of your exclusive zones, like your hand or your graveyard. It would go to their hand or their graveyard instead. So that would have to be rewritten. But uh, in, in the rules, I'm saying it. And as, as this card is written with some new rules and activating abilities in hand, that exists. Uh, got... Uh, Simeon Spirit Guide has an activated ability in hand. There's mm-hmm. lots of cards with activated abilities in hand. And uh, playing cards out of somebody else's hand, like you just said, sent triplets. Uh, Mike, more or less, this card is this card's probably okay. So, with one caveat, 
how many times have you sat down and somebody pulled out a send triplets deck and you went, this is going to be okay? When I say okay, I don't mean <laughs> fun to play against sure. of a reasonable power level. I mean, this would more or less work for Black Border Legality. Right. But you're right. Nobody likes to play against send triplets. It's miserable. This, this feels like potentially easier send triplets. Yeah, um, for send triplets, you don't have to pay. You don't have to figure out the mana cost. It's yeah. it's just pay this five that you always have access to. That's the number one thing that a send triplets deck has to be able to do is find a way to filter mana into uh, into colors, right? That would allow you to cast spells of a color that send triplets isn't, and it's an esper blue black one. I I guess the only so help me out with this if. The only way at that point to really get rid of X is if the player that you give it to finds a way to discard it. And if they discard it, does it just stay in discard because it's in their hand? Or can you replacement it, affect it? When, uh, when a card goes to a graveyard from any zone, it's going to go to its owner's graveyard. Okay. And I realize that th that kind of seems like it could get a little bit grainy with this card that it can enter an opponent's hand sure. but this card doesn't say anything about graveyards okay if your opponent discards x it's going to go to your graveyard and when it does uh as as we're going to uh talk about quite shortly here you can then choose to put it back in your command zone okay it seems like it would be viable and terrifying oh, yeah. and I, I i don't i don't like it it makes me sad but okay fair it, enough it's demir all right Okay, so that that rounds out the list of our silver border potential, with air quotes, commander cards. Alex, what would you make? If, if you were sitting here and, and you got to make one of these to play for your playgroup the next time that you're sitting down, what do you think you'd be most interested in playing? It's an excellent question. I'm going to be honest, I think it would probably be the Grand Calcutron. Okay. It is, it's such an interesting card. It is. It, it's, it's, it's almost like its own commander variant in a commander. Right. It, it rewrites the rules of the game. Yeah. But it does it in a way that doesn't seem absolutely busted. And, and again, this is our opinion. It, we, it, it, you know, we happen to share it. Mm -hmm. I totally get if somebody reads this card and is like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, that's a cool, weird thing to do. Um, that's the best. So you said that one. I so again, I really like the Rakdos commanders. And I feel bad not going with uh Baron von Count or Grisilda, the monster masher. I think if I had to make one of these, other than the Grand Calcutron, which again I'm going to make just as a challenge to myself at this point. Awesome. Um Phoebe, head of sneak. That just seems like a cool commander. I like Voltron as a sure as a win condition because um, I think it's just weird I again battle cruisery make something as big as possible and cool as possible so the idea of literally stealing the abilities and rules of other creatures to see what Phoebe turns into sounds weird sounds fun all of this sounds fun hopefully uh, you guys have heard some commanders that you might want to try out if you do Make sure you hit us at our inbox at the social contract EDH. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. If you made one of these. Send us the deck list, man. Absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll send links to our uh, our email address and Twitter, Facebook, all the places that you can find us. Because this is woof. There's some there's some there's some things to brew in this. Eh? Uh, so I'll tell you what, everybody. That was our first segment talking about these cards. We're going to take a quick break, uh, come back with a little bit of advice for new players and older players, a couple of cards to talk about. And then Alex is basically going to explain how things work in the the actual game of Magic, which I know is extremely broad, but we're going to tighten Mm -hmm. it down. And I promise it's going to be helpful to you. We'll be right back. Hey, it's present Mike filling in for past Mike. Our audio has gotten so much better. Thanks for sticking around with us. So we're going to talk about some cards that are really underplayed. We each think that we're bringing some really interesting cards to the table. And if you want to grab them or any other cards, you can help us out in the process. We have partnered with TCGplayer.com. So if you're looking for any singles, sealed product, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, really anything to spice up your game experience, go to bit.ly slash EDH social or click on the link in our show notes. You don't pay anything extra, and you'll really help us out by buying all the things you are going to anyway. That's bit.ly slash EDH social, or click the link in our show notes. Back to the show. All right, Alex. So something new, something old. Uh, for me, I'm going to be helping out players with a little bit less experience this week. So we love the actual social aspect about the game of Commander. That's part of our title. It's it's why we like the actual politics. But as far as the gameplay itself, I think that the best thing about Magic is the actual interaction. It's somebody plays something you have the ability to play something in response or to counter it, or you do this other effect in response to their effect, which then gives everybody else an opportunity to respond to your... It's the interaction of it all. The one thing I'm going to advise everybody is not to fixate on it. Don't worry about how much targeted removal you have. Don't worry about how many board wipes you have. Don't worry about the ins and outs on everything but make sure that you have some of it because nothing feels worse than being locked out because you don't have a card that has the ability to interact with an effect on the board in your entire deck you have to think about it like a recipe most recipes they require some salt and counter spells path to exile all these effects they are salt they are literally you pouring salt on somebody trying to have fun but if you don't have it in your deck That means that all you're doing is enabling them to just race to do what they want to do faster than what you want to do. There's nothing wrong with that if that's your play group, but don't include so much of it that you're not ever doing anything on your own. And don't neglect it so much that you don't have the ability to stop somebody from winning the game if they play any number of cards that you simply can't target. I know a lot of that has to deal with the color pie. I know a lot of that has to deal with these cards. You know, green is really good at removing artifacts and enchantment, etc. I understand that there's limitations. Have something in your deck that can interact with the actual board. Because if you don't do that, you might as well just be playing goldfish at home. What do you think, Alex? Well, I agree for the most part, Mike. Um, as a newer player, the actual distribution of 
interaction that you have is not that much important. What is important is that you're able to interact with popular cards that heavily impact your deck. For example, if you are a deck that gets hosed by Blood Moon, as many decks do, and you know that people play Blood Moon in your meta, you need to be able to destroy that, right? Otherwise you're going to be up right. the creek. Um, and maybe there are other cards that, that hose you, uh, or Silver Bullets, like uh, if if board wipes are consistently a problem for you, then maybe you need some reanimation recursion. Uh, if you're more of a control deck that tends to get run over, mm-hmm. maybe you need more board wipes. Maybe you need more spot removal. Um, but the actual distribution for a newer player doesn't matter as much. For a veteran player, based on your play group, I think just over time playing with your pods, you're going to gain more of an implicit understanding of the distribution of interaction that you actually need such that I couldn't possibly tell you exactly what you yeah. need. Um, like for me, I might run three or four board wipes, uh, four or five counter spells, and maybe four or five pieces of spot removal. But maybe for your meta, you need uh, more board wipes and fewer counter spells. Maybe more spot removal and fewer board wipes. And for a new player, again, um, look for a f- times when you're playing the game and you get hosed. Note down what card that is. And, uh, and see if you can't run a card that can remove it in the future. And that's why I kind of liken it to the recipe. Because I can only tell you how to make a deck that would work, you know, hopefully in a lot of situations. And then in my playgroup, this is the format, you know, this is the actual amount that usually works for me. I, you know, I, one of my, uh, one of the people in my playgroup likes to play with the gods a lot. So lots of indestructible enchantments that aren't always creatures. So I have more ways to try and exile cards than I normally would if I was playing with a different group or even playing a different deck. Um, so again, that the amount that you actually put into it, you should have some, just because, again, interacting is fun. Um, but playing it, revising it, changing that recipe, just be aware that it's something you're probably going to do. No deck is ever 100% finished because, I mean, frankly, they come out with new cards this year every four weeks, it feels like, um, if not more. But just tinker around with it and play with it. And if something doesn't fit, if if you don't like the way that something works, then change it, you know? Got a little bit more broad on that towards the end. So why don't we go ahead and move on to advice for some of our more veteran players, Alex? Yeah, Mike, uh, I'd like to recommend for veteran players this week. The next time you play Commander, maybe if you're in a, uh, a healthier country that's not in the U.S., Europe, or Latin America, um, or if you're playing online with Spell Table or uh, Tabletop Simulator or with your webcam... Try a Commander variant mm-hmm. in your next game. Um, there's a lot of them, a lot of different ones that work all different ways. A uh, personal favorite of mine is, is Two-Headed Giant, Two-Headed sure. Giant Commander. Um, I just think this is a fantastic way to play Commander, two-on-two, 50 life total between you. It makes sense. People know how to play Two-Headed Giant. You get to work together with somebody as a team. It's It just works out great. When uh, Back in the olden times, in the long, long ago, before the pandemic the before times uh, we used to, 
Yeah, the before times in the ancient days. We used to uh, play these variants in the LGS, and people loved to it a giant. We also played uh, Kingdoms or Emperor, as you may mm-hmm. know it, or Bang, which is basically a game with uh, secret roles where some people are trying to kill other people, some people are trying to protect people. Uh, you can look up the rules for that. It's it's quite good fun. And then there are other, other similar variants like that, but uh, the long and short of it is that if you play with the same people for long enough, the same decks, the same cards, it's possible for this game to get a little stale for a veteran player. And I find that variants like this can really sort of reinvigorate your interest in the game. Uh, so try it next time. Absolutely. And I think I think you're definitely onto something here. There are a lot of different variants. There are a lot of different ways to change things up, But whether it's the actual format that you're playing the game or adding uh, the plane plane chase cards or even just oh, yeah. starting a game where monarch goes to first blood and just monarch exists in the game stuff like that um i i think you're on to something this is probably this is something we're gonna have to do a full episode on i'm gonna okay. write it down on our list because there are a lot of fun variants and that's that's our job here <laughs> our job is to try and introduce more fun into your your play sessions so cool absolutely um one of the most fun things that you can do in your actual play group is bring out a card that people haven't seen and they take a look and say "Ooh, can i see that and we're going to move on to that right now um alex last week we both had two cards that were in less than 100 decks on edh rec you barely beat me and Man, it, it, it's cool because it felt awesome to talk about cards that were in like a total of 140 decks in the entire website. So this week, I was thinking about trying to do that. And then you topped yourself. So then I went the other way. <laughs> so my card this week is Soldevi Adni. Uh, this is a generic and black for a 1-2 cleric with the ability to tap it and sacrifice a black or artifact creature to add an amount of black mana equal to that creature's casting cost to your mana pool. Play this ability as an interrupter instant. So this is a sack outlet that gives you as much black mana as that artifact creature or black creature's total casting cost. This is really cool in graveyard recursion decks. Uh, this is in my Marin deck because I have a Marin deck, because sometimes I don't feel like being a good person, even though it's more of a value generation <laughs> thing, less than aristocrats. But this is a cool ability. I like this. I like this card a lot. Uh, it's in a decent amount of decks. It's in just under 1,700 out of 210,000 decks, so not quite at 1% of black decks. I totally understand there are decks that don't want to kill their own creatures, but I also understand that black decks want to do it a lot more than most other colors. Uh, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, Mike, this is a great sack outlet. Um, I've considered running this in my Afterlife tribal deck. Um, it's just fantastic. You, in the worst case, you're casting a creature one turn and taking out the mana as a mana bank next turn. But in the best case, you're reanimating that creature for less than its casting cost or no mana at all sacrificing it and generating mana from it. Um, everybody loves altars. We talked about this before. Everyone loves Ashon's altar. Everyone loves Phyrexian altar. Free sack outlets are the best. And sack outlets that generate mana are the best of the best. And this is one of those. 
So if you're in an Aristocrats deck, Sacrifice deck, Afterlife deck, uh, run this card in black. It's great. Alex, what's the, is it Desecration Demon? What what's the what's the seven mana five five demon that tutors when it comes into play? Uh, is that Razakath? Uh, no, Razakath is the legend that sacrificed other creatures. This is the one that literally, when it comes into play, you just tutor a card in your hand. Goodness, Mike, I don't know. Oh boy. Well, it's one of the demons, and I'd love to tell you that I'd add it in later. Um, but I'll, I'll search for that. That's my favorite interaction with this card is make this tutor with a big demon, sacrifice that demon later, get seven black mana off of it, so I'm basically tutoring for free, and reoccurring that creature later with the Marin deck. I, I get that that is a very, you know, this is only going to happen some of the times, but if you have the ability to recur creatures and gain mana off of actually killing them and getting those death triggers and doing all those things, it's a fun card. Uh, other thing that we like about it, 35 cents. Not expensive. Cool little cleric. You, also dealing with a budget card this week, uh, but in far less decks, but has another really cool effect. Go ahead. Yeah, Mike, this week I have a card from Urza's Saga. And this is another black card with some value on it. This is Witch Engine, which is a, for five and a black. It's a creature horror. It's a 4-4 four, four with Swamp Walk. And it has a uh, tap, add, black, 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 black. It's four black. And target opponent gains control of Witch Engine. Now, I'm a judge, so obviously the most important part of this card to me is that that's not a mana ability, Mike. A mana ability is an ability that has the potential to generate mana, which this does. And it's also not a loyalty ability of a Planeswalker, which this isn't. And also, that ability can't target anything. That's the last rule. Uh, so the result of that is in its reminder text, you may activate this ability only any time you could cast an instant. Which basically means that uh, this this can't be activated to, uh, to pay costs in the middle of resolving a spell. Um, and this also has various other time of restrictions. But... We won't get too far into the weeds of that. That's just the most interesting part to me. Uh, that's text that, that some other cards should have that I won't mention. Savala. Um, but this card has it. Anyway, so you're generating four black mana. And then another player gains control of it. I, I'm i a fan of, of exchanging control of, of permanence. Zedru does this. Uh, unfortunately, Zedru isn't in black. But there is a new commander that I won't spoil, but it does have black in it, and it does care about things being donated, and it's going to come out in Commander Legends, and I think that when that commander comes out, uh, people might be interested in running this card. But so this also isn't the only effect in black that's, uh, that donates things to an opponent's. Mm -hmm. There's the... Uh, goodness, I should have had this pulled up. There's an artifact that tutors that came out recently, I think, at M20 that's uh basically you scheming symmetry use the artifact <laughs> no sorry. sorry nothing i, I was scheming, no, symmetry. scheming symmetry you, you talk about tutor in black and i get really excited about that card i can't yeah, yeah. sorry continue no there's another one it's an artifact in black you tap it you tutor something and then you you give that artifact to an opponent it's the monkey paw um, but not called the monkey paw sure exactly now this is a pretty fantastic mana ability 
Um, there's not too many cards in the game that add four black. There's a couple more. But even if you paid six for this, which you're not, you're going to reanimate this, right? That's still a pretty decent value. Six mana to attach for four colored mana, that's okay. I mean, how about zero mana to attach for four colored mana? And then you give it to an opponent, and they use it on their turn. And presumably they're not in a deck that can sacrifice the creature, because why would you give it to that player? And then they'll give it back to you, presumably, like Bizarre Trader. And uh, and then it goes it goes that way. This is a political card. Maybe maybe you'd call it a group hug style card. Mike, I really I just like this card. I think it's a very interesting design in black. And it's thirty four cents, and uh, it's in fifty one decks, which is zero percent of decks. So okay, first of all, do not appreciate you going underneath me by one penny uh, on, mm. on this. But fine, whatever. Uh, second of all, cards that we've referenced that we didn't remember the names to. One you're talking about is the Wishclaw Talisman. Thank you. Uh, one generic black enters with three wish counters on it. Pay one, tap it, remove a wish counter. Tutor, give it to an opponent. Only activate the, this during your turn. Yes, very cool effect. Uh, and just because I knew Desecration Demon was absolutely not the right card name, and I had to go check, uh, so I <laughs> jumped out of my seat at one point and found my Rune Scarred Demon in my Marin deck which is the one that enters and tutors. There you go. Does. Cool. So what do you think about Witch Engine, though? I'm a fan. I, I, I like anything where cards are swapping locations and you're deciding how it's happening. And I, I do like that it's saying playing this ability as an instant, so it does have a little bit of a timing restriction on there without going crazy. Plus, I mean, worst case scenario, it's a, a six mana 4-4 four four with Swamp Walk by itself you run Urborg, it's unblockable. It's great. You know what I mean? Like, there are ways to make it work. And even if you can't, just a six mana, if you had a six mana tap and exchange control for four extra mana on a different turn, I, I like it. it. It's an interesting card. Only in 51 decks. It should be in more. It sh if, if you're in a deck that cares at all about group hug or po politics, this is something that you can probably find a spot for at least to consider putting into your deck. So, awesome selection. One of these days I need, to, I need to make a black group hug deck. I just have to find something interesting to do with it. Right. Yeah. Find an interesting commander. Yeah, I I feel like, it, well, I, I can give you an explanation of one you might want to look into. Big fan of big fan of Vivictus the Dyer. Oh. That's Jund. I already have a Jund deck. Yeah, well, if you're looking for a mono-black commander, well, then, Alex, you know more than me. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, well, I have a couple lined up, but again, it's... Mike, I'm very picky when I build my decks. I want to make something that's totally unique, that's nobody's ever seen before. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not any good, I still want to make that and just make people's jaws hit the floor, like Emrakul Group Hug. Yeah, that's fair. Alex, I have 16 decks and probably going to make more before I take them apart. Not very picky. Just want to do stuff. Yay. Gotcha. Yay, magic. All the cards. Flip, 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 flip. So, one of the things that we're going to make sure that we do with those cards is understand how they work, how they interact, what's the timing on things. And Alex is going to help us in our judges' corner this week to explain exactly how they interact with each other. What are the things that have to be determined at each point with state-based actions? Alex, this is one of those things that anytime we talk into the nitty-gritty of the rules of the formats, 
sometimes I, I get lost. And in fact, probably more than I should. Or exactly as much as I should, because it's a really complicated game and I'm doing my best here. So how about you help me and everybody listening out and what are state-based actions and how do they actually resolve? How do they actually work? It's a great question, Mike. State-based actions are something that a lot of people I feel have trouble with. Let's go ahead and talk about these today. State-based actions are basically, for the programmers out there, they're like garbage collection subroutines. Uh, They're the little cleaning nanobots that just come through whenever anything gets uh, gets messed up and they they just fix everything so whenever a player would receive priority and i'll stop there briefly just to make sure everybody knows about priority whenever anything in the game would happen when somebody casts a spell whenever anyone activates an ability whenever a triggered ability triggers and whenever the a step or a phase begins, except for uh, the untap step and the and the cleanup step. Players are going to have a round of priority. Everybody gets a chance to to do something if they want to do something at instant speed, like activate which engine's mana ability, for example. However, before you receive priority and in between each player receiving priority, something has to happen first. We have our our SBAs, as we'll call them, state based actions are going to come in and and fix everything. So whenever a player would get priority before that, SBAs are checked to see if anything needs to get cleaned up. And if something does, and we're going to talk about some of those things that we're going to clean up here, if anything does, all of those things get cleaned up at the exact same time, and then we check to see if anything else needs to get cleaned up. So it's going to keep running the garbage collection subroutine over and over and over until it says, nope, everything's clean. And then when that happens, we're going to give priority to the next player. And and something that's that's really important here is that even though it seems like these would be just checking all the time, just over and over and over, they're always checking, checking, checking. Uh, they're not always checking. And one of the most important times that state-based actions aren't checked, Mike, is in the middle of the resolution of a spell. That's very important. If a spell or abilities affect is in the middle of resolving. You wait until the speller ability is done resolving before you check the SBAs. Because during that spell, you might have a creature that's a 0-0 for some amount of time before you put counters on it, things like that. So we wait until that's done, and then we'll and then we'll check some of those. So let's talk about some of these SBAs, because there's a lot of them. There's a ton. We're just going to go over a few of them today. That's again, these these will happen whenever a player would receive priority, and whenever any any step or phase begins. So the first one I have here is whenever a player has zero or less life, that player loses the game. We know that one, right? That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> if you when a player dies, they when die. They, when you die, you lose. Um, yeah, there are effects that allow you to survive past zero life, uh, like Phyrexian Unlife. Other than that. If you have zero or less life before you would have a chance to do anything, you're just going to lose. Um, and, and last week, I believe, or two weeks ago, we talked about exactly what happens when you lose. So if you're curious about that, you can go listen to that episode. Um, the next one I have here is if a player attempts to draw a card from a library with no cards in it, uh, that player will lose the game. That's that's being milled out, right? That's, uh, that's why players play Laboratory Maniac, to avoid that exact thing happening. If you try to draw from an empty library, you lose. Unless you have Lab Man and then you win. 
I like that effect. Blah. Moving on. <laughs> if a player's ten or more poison counters, they'll lose the game. Poison counters come from infect and proliferating infect effects. So if you have ten or more poison counters, it doesn't matter how much life you have, you'll just instantly lose. Um, I think players know that well enough. That's how an infect deck works. If a token is in a zone other than the battlefield, it ceases to exist. This is uh, this is something quite relevant. A lot of players don't really think about this. If you would flicker a token, when it goes to exile, it immediately stops existing as an SBA. If a token dies, it does in fact die. It goes to the graveyard, and then it immediately stops existing. It disappears. That's That's something that I think a lot of players have somewhat of an intuitive grasp on, but not really. The token does actually end up getting to that zone. It can be bounced to your hand. It can be flickered. It can go to the graveyard and die. But as soon as it gets there, it stops existing immediately. That's why they can't be brought back. Um, if a creature has zero toughness, it's put into its owner's graveyard and it can't be regenerated. Uh, zero toughness is specifically when you have like a minus X, minus X effect micro, enough minus one, minus one counters, like Black Sun Zenith, things like that, where you're actually reducing the toughness to zero. You're not just killing it with marking lethal damage. As, and as, as we know, if you reduce a creature's toughness to zero with one of these effects, uh, it doesn't matter if it has Indestructible. It just goes right through because Indestructible cannot protect you against this SBA. Similarly, if a Planeswalker has zero loyalty or less than that, it's, it's going to be put into its owner's graveyard immediately. That's uh, basically sure. the same thing. We all know that one. If a player controls two or more legendary permanents with the same name, uh, you'll choose one of them, and every one but that one gets put into its owner's graveyard. You know that one. It's the legend rule. And that one, Mike, has actually changed many times. Uh, it's different than it used to be, and we also used to have a Planeswalker-like rule that was similar to that, that cared about if you had two different Planeswalkers of the same Planeswalker type, like two different Jaces or two different Lilianas. Luckily, right. we don't have that rule anymore, but now all Planeswalkers are legendary, so if you have a copy of the same Planeswalker and you control both of them, um, all but one of them are going straight to the graveyard. Uh, unless you have Mirror Gallery, which is one of those cards. Or, that's, uh, or it happened from Spark Double or one of those cards right. that specifically says it's not legendary. Exactly. exactly. Kind of you can do yeah. that too. Makes sense. Um, if two or more permanents have the World Super Type, then the newest one, uh, all except the one that had the World Super Type for the shortest amount of time, so the newest one stays, the old ones go. This is the world rule. Now, we may have talked about this at some point, but there's an old card we type. We touched on worlds briefly. There's yes. an old card type. They're enchantments. All of them are enchantments. And they have the super mm -hmm. type of world. And you, there can only be one on the entire battlefield. It's like the old legend rule, right? Before, before they changed it. So if right. you put down a second world permanent, and there's another one on there, on the battlefield. Then the old one goes straight to the graveyard. Um, it's like a, a super duper legend rule that only cares about this one rare card type that nobody plays anymore, except for a couple of exceptions. Um, but it's it's still in the game. It's still there. Crossroads and yeah, concordant yeah, crossroads. There's yeah. yeah. If you have a concordant crossroads out, and then somebody else plays the abyss first. The abyss. Of all, you, you worry about the player that's got the abyss. You worry about their wall, <laughs> and, first and foremost. And then you yeah, worry about their mental and, and And then you also see Concordant Crossroads go away and be destroyed. Yeah. Because now it's a now it's a much sadder world. Yeah. 
holy cow, when you look at those two cards and their art next to each other, it is absolutely night and day. Just this beautiful landscape <laughs> with <laughs> waterfalls and lush. And then, and then the abyss is just these shadowy specters that are just in absolute agony. I have seen something I wish I didn't. Um, please distract me with the rest of the Snoopy's Absolutely. actions. We'll just talk about a couple of more here. If a permanent has both plus one, plus one counters and minus one, minus one counters on it, then it's going to annihilate in this way, right? It's going to delete enough counters, n plus one, plus one counters, and n minus one, minus one counters, where n is the smaller of the two numbers. So basically you can think of it as like matter and antimatter. If you have one plus one plus one counter on it and one minus one minus one counter on it, they annihilate. They both stop existing. They're cleaned up because guess what? Mm. Those add up to zero, zero. Um, now, this one I chose specifically, Mike, because you might be aware of uh, some older types of counters that's, uh, that aren't used so much anymore, like plus zero plus one counters and plus two plus zero counters and things of that hmm. nature. Uh, you ever seen anything like that before? I haven't, uh, but I mean, you you have a lot more experience and more importantly, a better catalog in your brain <laughs> as far as all the card types and everything along those lines. I haven't seen that before. Well, the point is that uh, in Magic's older years, these cards used to be more common. Frankenstein, sure. I think, is one of those cards. There's a Frankenstein card that has you choose whether to put like a plus zero plus two counter on something. There's a bunch of weird counters like that, that, that give uh, buffs or debuffs that aren't plus one, plus one or minus one, minus one. What's really important is that uh, only plus one, plus one and minus one, minus one counters annihilate like this, Mike, the older counters, the plus one, plus O, the plus O plus two, all those different weird ones. None of those annihilate with each other. Even the exact opposites don't. So if you have, a minus two minus two counter on something and a plus two plus two counter on something both of those counters stay there and you just need to do the math yourself i'm so sorry you have to add two and minus two together checks out <laughs> uh, i i promise i was listening at the same time my eyes got really big and i immediately went to tcg player to see that frankenstein's monster is about a nine dollar card and I, I'm ordering two. Well, there you go. So everybody, just so you know, in case you didn't, that's a card that exists. Happy soon to be Halloween. Have a good time. Absolutely. This this episode <laughs> might even come out after Halloween. So yeah. yeah. Well, we might change things up just because just because you've made me really excited with that. Fantastic. Uh, so the last two here are unique to Commander. These don't yes. exist in in the normal game of Magic. Mm-hmm. Standard in a Commander game. A player that's been dealt 21 or more combat damage by the same commander over the course of the game loses the game. We call that the commander damage rule. Now, this this rule is kind of contentious a little bit, Mike. We won't get too much into it, but I know there are some people who feel that the rule shouldn't even exist. There are some people who feel that uh, all commander damage from all commanders from all players should be combined into one single pool of commander damage and if they are also wrong (laughs) well uh regardless those those two ways that i just described aren't how it works it has to be from a single commander so if you have partners each of them tracks separately and it also tracks separately from separate players if and it's only tracking combat damage right it's not tracking pinging damage 
or any other right. kind of damage, only combat damage. 21 combat damage, lose the game. And this goes way, way back. This is one of the oldest rules in Commander back when it was Elder Dragon Highlander. And the reason why the number is 21 is because all the Elder Dragons were 7-7s. Seven they dealt 7 damage in combat. So it was a 3-shot kill or 3-turn timer. 7 times mm-hmm. 21. Um, yeah, that's that's that Commander rule. There's another Commander state-based action, though. And this one's a lot newer, Mike. This, this one yeah. didn't exist the same time last year. Um, in a Commander game, if a Commander is in a graveyard or in exile, and that card was put into that zone... Since the last time state-based actions were checked, its owner may put it in the command zone. Now, this is very different from how it used to work. This used to not be a state-based action at all. This used to be a replacement effect that if your commander would die or if your commander would be exiled instead of going into those zones, you put it into the command zone. But recently, uh, this year, in 2020, there was a change from the rules committee that changed the rules of commander and those have been reflected in the comprehensive rules that now your commander will actually enter those zones if your commander would die it dies it goes to the graveyard and most importantly for decks that care about that sort of thing like child of alara it hits the graveyard and it counts as being dead and then Mm -hmm. immediately after that before any other triggers happen you can choose to put it into the command zone if you want to and the same goes for exile now, if we're going to hand or going to library, that's still a replacement effect. It won't actually hit those zones, and it's not one of the SBAs we're talking about because it's not a state-based action. That replacement effect does still exist if your commander would be put into a player's hand or would be put into your library. You can say, no, it's not going there. It's going to the command zone. But for the specific case of the graveyard and for exile, you are allowed to... You really have no choice. It's going to hit those zones... And then at that point, you'll choose, do I want it to stay there permanently or go into my command zone instead? Mike, you're a, you're a more, I don't know how I want to put you're a more casual player, right? You you were less familiar with the the rules committee. How did, how did you find out about this rule or did you find out about this rule? Uh, so I found about this rule uh, a little bit of just, you know, the overall community uh, talking about it, other people posting on it. Um, but this is one of those things that, Depending on the playgroup that I was with, they would go back and forth on whether or not when the commander died, they actually treated it like it died and then put it back in the command zone already. Like the the playgroup I'm playing with now, they were actually doing this rule change on accident before the rule was there, and I was fairly new to the group. I didn't want to you know change things around. Also, because it makes a lot of other commanders pretty interesting. Like Child of Lara wasn't a very cool commander. Mm-hmm. Now. It's an abusive commander in, in its own way, but it's yeah the Elena the, the those those creatures that those legendary creatures that do things when they die. Some people were already playing that that I've I've played with whether they knew about the rule or not. I was familiar with it, but I think I actually became familiar with it because somebody pointed out that I was doing it wrong, and then became familiar with it again because the community was talking about oh, this changes stuff, and uh, I know the Command Zone did, you know, special mini-cast talking about how is Rune absolutely broken now because, you know, the thing does, it goes to exile, and then you couldn't just replace, etc., etc., etc. This is one of those things, I'm glad they did it, 
um, because, again, it just opens up the game. But I found out, and I don't know, you, you, you are, I think you have a wider circle of magic, you know, specifically with being a judge and doing this longer. Is this something that you, you, you felt was pretty well received and people were like, oh, okay, cool, and we're just ready to roll with it? Or has there been pushback? I don't think there's been pushback at all, Mike. I think this okay, is good. probably one of the more popular things that the Rules Committee has done in the past year. And maybe in another episode, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about them. But one thing that I yeah. wanted to mention is, is, yes, I think this was quite well received. This opens up any any decision that the Rules Committee makes that opens up more lines of play for players typically mm-hmm. is well received. And this does open sure. up new lines. Um, now decks like Child of Alara and Elena the, the Dusk Rose, now Dusk those Rose. decks don't have to run as much uh, graveyard, graveyard exile recursion. or recursion. Yeah. Yeah. Those decks yeah. just got a lot of slots freed up to just play their commander the way they want to play it, which is great. Um, so people liked it. But what I wanted to briefly touch on with respect to mm-hmm. what you said is that a lot of players that, that you had been playing with and even you yourself had basically been playing this way already and not realized that that was not how the commander's uh, replacement effect worked. Sure. When I uh, I I also listened to uh, the comments on I listened to their episode on it, and uh, Josh Lequai notably is a member of the Commander Advisory Group, which is a non-voting body adjacent to the Rules Committee that acts as a liaison between the Rules Committee and the mm-hmm. Magic player base of Commander players at large, and this would be something that they would be uh, probably consulted on because it's not something oh, sure. directly related to banning or unbanning a card. So they probably sat on many of these meetings. And one thing that Josh Lequai said was quite interesting to me, Mike. He said that several uh, Magic players in the Commander Advisory Group, which are all very prominent uh, Commander community members like himself, also mm-hmm. did not know that the rule worked like this. Uh, that, huh. that they were not aware... That they played it like you played it. They played it like it currently is. That it let it hit the graveyard and then go to the command zone. And that that was interesting to me. I'm I'm honestly not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. Because he made a good point. There are going to be casual players at all times playing the game of Commander. And just like in this podcast, I think it's strengthened by myself having a judge perspective and you yourself having... Uh, a more casual, friendly perspective. That that's a really nice way of putting it. I appreciate that. <laughs> We're good <laughs> friends. Um, that even on the on the commander advisor group, the second highest sitting body in the format, that they would have players that are casuals, uh, yeah, and not just casuals for commander because commander's casual, but casuals in commander, like people who didn't know how a basic rule of of the game works and i think that there were quite a few people who were quite taken aback by that and and they had the reaction that oh the this the commander advisor group should know that and i see where they're coming from the rules committee if i heard that somebody on the rules committee which is comprised entirely of high level judges didn't know that i would be very alarmed however the Commander Advisor Group is not comprised of high-level judges. They're comprised of Magic players. So, Mike, how do you feel about that when you hear that somebody on the Commander Advisor Group, multiple people, didn't know how this rule worked? 
I mean, we've said it before, or I, I, I think I've said it a thousand times and you've agreed with me as somebody who has a very rich understanding of the game and how it works. It is the most complicated game that exists. It really is, though. There's Because every card has its own interactions, which have different rules to other things. So I'm not going to get mad when people whose job is to essentially be an advisor. They're not making the rules. Right. They they're, do not make they're, the they're rules. They're as a they're there is basically our our uh, our our agent. There are <laughs> regular players. People. Yes. But they don't I'm go. totally fine with them. I'm totally fine with them not being fully versed in every single rule for the simple fact that it's 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 not even four-dimensional chess that we're dealing with. We're dealing with six-dimensional chess combined with checkers, combined with risk, combined with poker. Like I, it doesn't bother me because here's the thing. I played it wrong, mm-hmm. found out that I was wrong, played it right, found another group that was playing it supposedly wrong, didn't have a problem with them playing it wrong, and then they changed the rule and people went, oh, okay. I thought that's how it worked already. Yeah, like, again, it's, it's one of those things where if it doesn't make everybody, if it only adds, like you said, it if it only increases the amount of things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Instead of limiting them, I don't think you get nearly as much of an outcry. And frankly, that's why we do this segment. That's why we have you talk to us about, hey, here are some of the things that you may think you know about it and how magic works. But let's actually go into it because this will interact and this changes with things. You know, this is why Kant is the most powerful world in ma- word in magic. Unless this is why state-based actions are the way that they are and how they all work. Outlining all those things, it doesn't mean that we're going to be judges in our own right. It doesn't mean that we're going to know how everything works, but getting a little bit more of understanding of how the game works means that if things change or if we find we're doing something wrong, instead of just knowing that we're doing something wrong, knowing why it's not the way it's supposed to be, well, that's improvement, and that's kind of what I'm focused on. That's a very good way of putting it. That's the end of my segment, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for taking us through that. I we we went a little off track with the state based actions, but I that was a I'm glad we did. I, I do like I do like uh, just being able to a hey people that are doing this they make mistakes too. It's relatable, guys. Everybody, don't worry. You're not as bad as you think because the people that are the best still aren't perfect. It's all good. Yeah. Alex, thanks for joining us this week. Always a pleasure, Mike. All right, and to everybody, hope you had a good time. We'll be back next week. And until then, say yes to silver, say no to slivers. Talk to you (laughs) later.